Hi everyone, welcome back to my channel. My name is Stassi. Thank you so much for being here today. I just want to say happy last day of Pride to everybody out here. I hope everyone had really good Pride celebrations this year. I know for a lot of people, this was the first time going out to do Pride celebrations since the pandemic. So I hope you guys had a great time. I am so excited to have the Mom Cave returning here today. And first time guest, Coach Alex Ray. Thank you guys both for coming here today. Yay. Of course. Thank you so much for having us. Oh my gosh, the pleasure is all mine. I am so excited to dive in and talk more about mental health. This is a topic that I could go blue in the face talking about because we need to talk about mental health and we need to end the stigma together. Uh, before we dive in, as always, let's do a quick round of introductions. Uh, Mom Cave, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Absolutely. I think uh, many who are watching this are familiar with Mom Cave. And if you're not, I've been a content creator for about for three, three years now. I have a series on YouTube called The Curse that is uh, now in its third season. I also create Sims content on Instagram and uh, now branching out into TikTok. When I'm not creating, I am an emotional wellness coach and have recently niched my coaching um, in private practice towards content creators. And I'm excited to be back here with Stassi and my friend and colleague, Alex. Well, I'm excited to have you back. And I want to say congratulations for winning at the Machinima Awards. It, Thank you. You are very welcome. Uh, welcome, Alex. Hello. Hello. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Sure. So my name is Alex Ray. I am the queer confidence coach. I help LGBTQIA plus humans just love being their authentic self, stand up for themselves and have their own back. And I got here because I had a really sucky mental health journey personally and had been in and out of therapy, still have been in and out of therapy um, since second grade. I'm currently seeing a therapist and um, it's wonderful. But a lot of my mental health kind of stayed hovering just above rock bottom until I actually hit it in 2017. And it was after that, that I realized, okay, I really got to take my mental health into my hands too. I can't just sit back and let someone else like show up to therapy, expecting someone else to fix me. Mm -hmm. And, um, through that journey, like coaching was a huge, huge help for me. And was like, I really want to be able to offer this to other people. And I think I always knew that I would do something to help others. I just didn't know what it would look like. And now we have this title, the Queer Confidence Coach. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming here today. And thank you for thank sharing you. that little brief about yourself. It It is hard to hit rock bottom. But once mm. you hit rock, you know when you hit rock bottom. And the old saying is there's only there's only one way you can go is up. Um, mm -hmm. But up is a journey. Up is not in a day. Up is not in a month. Up it cannot even sometimes be in a year. It's, it's the pace that you want to go. So thank you for coming here, sharing your journey. And I cannot wait to hear more um, as this podcast goes on. Now, typically I don't have questions for these things. I got questions this time. I came prepared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and by prepared, my phone is over here. Um, so mom, okay, why don't you start us off with the first question? Yeah. Are you going to ask it? Are you going to ask it? <laughs> <laughs> I yes, have it hosting this thing Mary. you <laughs> oh you can host this this is totally fine okay so the first <laughs> the first question is what is something you know something that you knew you wish you knew when you started content creating 
something I wish I knew when I started that I know now. So something I know now that I wish I knew when I started creating content. And there's a couple, couple things. I think the first thing I wish I knew was how detrimental to my mental health comparison can be, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll just kind of speak for myself is getting into this content creation was being inspired by other content creators like oh that's so cool look what they're doing right and then and then just experiencing kind of going into that and really investing time and energy and just myself and my stories and then kind of feeling that that um that kind of high or that excitement when other people start to like your stories and you kind of gain some visibility and some notoriety and, and you kind of grow in that way and how easy it is for your eye to wander then back to other creators to compare yourself to them and to say, well, I'm not this, or look at them. They're, they're doing this thing, but I'm not doing that thing. Maybe I should do that thing. Maybe if I did that thing, I'd have their thing. And, and I think if I had known that from the beginning, starting out versus kind of experiencing it and realizing for myself, like, that's just not healthy, you know, and forgetting what happens is you forget your why. So I think that brings me to the next one is just remembering if you're starting out creating content, if you've been creating content for a long time or wherever you are in the journey of creating content, don't forget your why. I actually was talking to my therapist about this today, about how, you know, I just got back from VidCon and, you know, there were moments, I'm not going to lie, there were moments where, you know, I see these kind of throngs of people running towards these creators and thinking, wow, you know, I, what what do you got to do to be that big? And then I kind of stopped myself and said, I don't necessarily want that. Like, that's not my why. And, and I think if you remember your why, and if you remember that you're, we don't need another Claire Schwann, we don't need another all of these other bigger creators and these others I've never heard of, you know, when I was there myself, um, we don't need them. We just need the creator that you are. And, and then I, I think the second thing that I actually just dawned on me, this just, and Alex, I almost text you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had this epiphany, right? Oh my is, God, I cannot is, wait to hear this. Mm-hmm, yes. Is that um, imposter syndrome is real. Mm-hmm. It's real, especially when it comes to content creation. And I've been kind of talking, thinking about and working with a wonderful coach named Alex and and friends and just kind of think about like, where are my blocks? And one of the things I realized is that imposter syndrome. And I realized just this thing clicked in my head of, I've been thinking about, well, when I'm a YouTuber, when I'm a content creator, when I'm an Instagrammer, is that a word? It is. Yes. It is not. Right. And it's like, no, wait a minute. You are a YouTuber. You are a content creator because you know what? You have a presence and you upload content mm-hmm. that makes you the thing that you want to be. You are that thing. You are that person. And then living into that. And so I think the, for me, it was just that realization that I wish I would have had earlier on of that. You know, you don't have to have 10,000, 15,000 subscribers. You don't have to have even a hundred subscribers. You can have five subscribers. You can have one subscriber. You could have, you know, you and your dog. It doesn't matter. 
the thing is, it takes courage to to even put something out there into the universe. And so when you've done that, you have become a content creator. So living in that and being confident and um, proud of yourself, I think is really, really important. So I think those were two really big ones for me that I really have been contemplating or not contemplating, but just um, marinating on a bit for myself, just especially over the last week of remembering my why, not comparing myself to others and just being proud of the fact that I'm a content creator. It's what I wanted to do and it's what I do. I'm doing the thing. So, yeah. Well, well, I think that's definitely really amazing. Um, I was actually going to talk about imposter syndrome um, at some point throughout this podcast. Um, I've I've just started to experience it for the first time. And like literally today I was on my way to work and I was like, I think I should probably call this podcast a day, you know, like I don't deserve this. Like you guys just come and listen to me. Like, you guys can do like other things with your life. Like, like I'm not that important. Like I literally considered today just like, no, I'm good. Like I should probably just throw this in. And then they like, and then they're like, my other side of the brain was like, what the hell are you talking about? The fuck you talking about? You worked so hard for this. Like you've earned, like you've earned everything that you've just achieved. And everybody's like, yeah, but like kind of an imposter, man. Like you're just like a girl that like showers like once a week, like, and you now have people (laughs) looking up to you, like pick, choose your role models. And right. it's just kind of like, oh my God, because I'm now having people saying, like, so like me and my best friend, like we love Kelsey and Peach, okay? We watched the 100 Baby Challenge. We love her. Mm-hmm. We used to say like, I wonder what it would be like to be her friend. I bet you she'd be so cool. Now people are saying that to me like, oh, I bet you being friends with Stassi is so cool. And I was like, it is. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just like, like I like people will message me they're like I was on a three-hour drive and listened to your podcast and it really inspired me or like people are starting to tell me like my my podcast inspires them to do things and I'm like okay um I make fart jokes um okay that's not pressure that's not pressure to always being the best version of myself all the time and never making a mistake ever okay that's fine but I I could not agree more Alex how about you what 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 did you do you know now that you wish you knew when you started Mm, it's such a good question there are so many things probably that I wish I knew when I when I started but um I think the biggest theme for me is not to get my value from Mm -hmm. what other people are Mm -hmm. are saying or commenting or um, how many likes things are getting or how many followers I have and it's challenging because um, social media companies do set up the sites and apps in such a way that on purpose they are specifically engineered to trigger that part of our brain Mm -hmm. and it is literally like a fight to constantly be like oh wait hold on shit does that actually matter do I actually need to to get my validation for like am I a worthy human being Mm -hmm. um, from the reaction I'm getting from Mm -hmm. these strangers out on the internet um that's the most challenging part for me and I don't have like a I haven't arrived at a point of perfection where I don't um don't I think worry more than I really want to about what people like how much attention content that I create is getting Mm -hmm. um but that 
that lesson, I think I'm much further along than day one. Uh, what was it like six years, like, um, five and a half years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is so true. That's so true. It is true. And like, you've come so far and like, it's like social media is a completely different beast now, even than it was before the pandemic versus now, because now you have more kids um, tuning in, especially on YouTube. And Mm. like, I make sure that like this content is behind an 18A paywall, like not paywall, but like, this is not, this content is not meant for children. Um, But that's something that I know a lot of people struggle with on YouTube is like, oh, like I make these videos, but like they're all for kids and that's all the view count. And then what goes after that, right? Like mm. They're not, they're not buying anything. They're just watching your video. I mean, yeah, they're watching the video to the end because they're a kid and they don't understand to like turn it off. But I do, appre- I do appreciate that seeking validation. Um, I used to gauge my day of how many listens I got. If I had a lot of listens in a day, I had a great day. If I had no listens in a day, mm-hmm. I had a bad day. Even if you could have given me a million dollars on a day I had no listens, I probably would have just been miserable. I would have been like, yeah, but like, I just put out like a new podcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do I not have more listens? Like, right. I thought th- I thought this was going to be like the best one ever, but it wasn't. Like, and, then, but, and, and then as soon as one doesn't get enough, a lot of listens, you're like, oh, okay, I'm back. But the ones you think are going to get the most traction don't. And the ones you don't think are going to get any traction do. And that is the the truest thing. That's something I wish I'm still learning is I'll brush out content and I'll be like, this is going to get me the neck to the next level. And it gets nowhere. <laughs> yes. Same. Every fucking time. <laughs> I've never, I have never put out something and been like, this is it. And then it was it ever. Yeah. Um, it's, and typically the stuff that's most popular, I'm like, why? Yeah. I didn't put any effort into that. Mm -hmm. I like, I didn't care about that thing that I made. And then it's a real mind fuck. It is. Yes. (laughs) I've seen so many, uh, I've experienced so many creators who have been, uh, to your point, Alex, have have been so tied up in the numbers as their identity. Yes, and mm-hmm. that's it, it's like if if it, it, I remember when recently when Twitter started putting where you could see how many people viewed. Yes, your right. So so you could see how many people viewed your post, and like there was the number of views. And then the number of likes, there are people literally, there are people literally comparing the two in these posts. Like, oh my gosh, 600 people have seen this, but only 10 people like this. Like, Mm -hmm. like for in some way that makes them less of a human. And that just makes me like sad thinking, who cares? Do you know? I mean, I'm saying that thumbing through stuff all the time and I'm don't like everything and just kind of thumbing through it mindlessly. It's just the human nature. And I think that is so important to not wrap. Okay. So on the, on, on the one hand, we do put a lot of ourselves into our content. So yes, it's Mm -hmm. going to feel good when other people are excited about it too, but, and absolutely. And everybody doesn't have to be excited about it for it to be valid and Mm -hmm. exciting. You know, 
it's fine. I remember my very first couple episodes, they're shit. They're absolute trash. They're absolute trash. But I kept them up. You know why? Because people watch them and they liked them. And I remember getting my first views on that. Like, oh my gosh, other people like it too. But it, it doesn't matter because I was so excited to put that content out that I did it again and I did it again and I did it again and I did it again just because it was such, it's so exciting to tell the story because it's what I love to do. And it's when a creator loses that why or loses that passion and excitement to do it again mm-hmm. that they start to kind of, you know, wrap a lot of, of our, uh, a lot of the um, identity in that engagement. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. when you, yeah. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. Well, I was going to add to that, like identity and belonging. I think mm-hmm. we all also can get caught up in the, like, do I matter? Do I belong? Mm-hmm. Um, am I worthy of love? Do people mm-hmm. care about me? Am I important? All of that. And um, to just like reiterate um, exactly what Connie said, like I, I so agree with you that like yeah, it is when you create what we're creating is art, mm-hmm. and so when you create art and you it, it is it should feel good when people appreciate it. Of course, yeah. we don't want to be numb to appreciation. No, <laughs> but also. Um, knowing that like hey this isn't the this doesn't actually separating our art from ourself can be helpful in remembering that like the amount of attention that this gets it does feel good to get attention and it does um it's okay to be disappointed if not more people are liking it but what we really don't want to do is start tying our personal worth or belonging to that piece of content that we created and especially since we don't ultimately have control over who sees it or how many people see it. When we right. post something on any of these sites, we are no longer, once we've created it, we are no longer in control of it mm-hmm. once we put it out there. And so that can also feel very um, scary and feel very like out of control to put your worth and value into something that you ultimately only have the creation control over and nothing else yes oh there's another side of that pancake too right there's another side to that is not just the appreciation the more visibility you get the more negativity negative comments you can get absolutely and i i can't tell you how many creators i've seen get completely unhinged by dislike Mm -hmm. and like as if that somehow speaks to their worth. So that's a great point, Alex, that once we put it out there in the universe, and that's, I mean, therein lies the courage of being content creator. You, you're, it's out there. Once you put it, unless you make it private or you delete it, mm-hmm. don't do that. But if you do, unless you do, you're going to put it out there and anybody can say anything about your content. Yeah. It's part of it. I, th- I don't read comments on my stuff or look at the light counts anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, very rare that I will see like a comment and I might reply to that, but I purposely try not to see how many likes something gets or views. I mean, I will accidentally see it sometimes, but 
I know for my own mental health, if the less I see, the better. And mm-hmm. then I feel a little bit better about actually creating more things. Um, huh. Not a bad practice. I agree. Yeah. I think that, I think that's really good. I mean, um, I equivalent it to, so like I have, I've had an eating disorder. I would still say I still have it. I still, it's a part of me, will always be a part of me, but it's like stepping on the scale. I still, mm-hmm. to this day, cannot own a scale in this house. And, um, I've just lost a bunch of weight because me and Nard villain, shout out Nard villain friend. Uh, It's our last day, baby. We, we, we and me and Nard have been doing no additive sugar and low carbs all this month. We've been each other's accountability coaches. We have helped each other through thick and thin throughout this month. And I was just at home a couple weeks ago for father's day. And everyone kind of looked at me like, you've lost a lot of weight. Like how have you lost it? This is the first question everyone. I was like, I've done, I'm just not eating no sugar. And they're like, so you're just not eating. I'm like, no, no, I'm just not eating like low sugar and like all this good stuff. And they're like, okay. So my mom caught me sneaking her scale. And she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, like, what are you doing in my room? I was like, oh, I just wanted to see how much you weigh. And she like took it from me. She's like, no, you're good. You don't need to know. Because she knew whatever (laughs) number I thought it was was not going to be right. good enough. Right. So it's this, it's the same idea with likes. Yeah. It's just, it's never good enough. Or you, you gauge, you find happiness of being like, Oh, like it's great. Like this is like, this is like awesome. Like it's getting traction. And then the next post says nothing. And you get all negative vibes and you're like, why the fuck do I do that? It's like, you're constantly battling yourself on the circle of being like, Oh my God. Like for my main Stassi page, I have not gained a new follower in almost a week and a half until yesterday. That's un- that's rare. If anything, I was losing followers. And I was like, why? Why? What have I done? Nothing. And then today I gained 15 and I was like, oh, cool. I guess I'm back. But a lot of people, that's how they gauge their happiness is right. how many followers they have. I will also say... I have had people decline to be on this podcast because I don't have enough followers for their audience. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of fucked. I, I think one of the things that um one of the things that creators can do is is educate yourself on how algorithms work mm-hmm. and how platforms work. So for example, um YouTube, research it, research it. Because YouTube actually purges bots. I think it's once, I don't know if it's like every other week or once a week, but they they go through these um, um, bot cleanses where you might gain, you know, oh gosh, I just gained like 15 subscribers. Well, how Mm -hmm. did I just lose six Mm -hmm. or seven or whatever? Because YouTube is built to purge bots. And so if accounts are inactive, it's, you, it could purge of those subs. And, you know, I've, I've heard some creators get upset well why are they taking that away and my question is do you really want that that's not authentic do you want to do you want a subscriber do you want a number do you want a human who's actually there and interested in who you are as a creator right Mm -hmm. and so really just shifting the mindset of that of saying when those numbers are uh, are purged when those numbers are purged it's making room for authentic subscription so the same thing with instagram starts to what you're saying is instagram does the same thing is you mm-hmm. you'll gain these followers and then instagram's going to purge them if they're if it's a bot so you have all these mm-hmm. bot accounts where you have follow for follow all the different things but don't gauge it from that don't mm-hmm. gauge it 
period. But if you're kind of looking at that, if, if that's your, maybe that is your why, I don't know, but know, know the platform, educate yourself on the platform, educate yourself on the algorithms, how they work, why they work, what does and doesn't don't listen to your best friend, or I heard this, they do this, or I heard that, or don't listen to that because 10 out of 10 times, it's not true research it, research how the algorithms work. There's plenty of information out there so that you understand your core platform. So if your platform is TikTok, research how TikTok algorithms work. They're mm -hmm. they're very interesting. <laughs> research how YouTube algorithm works. Research how uh, you know these platforms work so that as your numbers ebb and flow, which they're going to, mm -hmm. when there's a stall, when there's a pause, you kind of understand there's all kinds of tips and tricks from people who have been doing this for a long time that you can glean from. So if you really are someone who's interested in growing your platform to a certain number, if you have those goals, make sure you're educating yourself on how to do that in a way that's healthy and wise and, and follows the way the platform is designed. Well, I definitely think that is phenomenal advice, especially everyone always asks them a social media manager. They're like, Jen, how do you beat the algorithm? And I was like, if I had that answer, I would be charging more than $30 an hour for my time. <laughs> but it's true. If people, like as a social media manager, the first question I always get is how do you beat the algorithm? And the question is, is you don't. It changes consistently all the time, uh, especially right now on Instagram. If anybody is wondering why you're not getting as many likes every day anymore, you can no longer search the most recent hashtag. It doesn't show you anymore. It shows you the top ones, but it won't show mm -hmm. you the most recent. So that's how a lot of smaller creators are starting to fall through the cracks now because they're only showing the creators that have 10,000 or above followers for top yeah. posts. And that's yeah, going to hurt a lot of people. It is. It is. And hashtags are kind of useless now anyways. Mm -hmm. They really are. I was, uh, I learned that this week yes. is that really hashtags. I mean, it, people put 1800 hashtags in their posts. You don't need them because no. they, they, they really don't, don't do much. No, so, I, yeah. I'm literally currently shadow banned for Rose Chronicles. Don't know why. Um, and they said, they're like, stop using hashtags. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Cool. And I got more traction than I did with hashtags being mm -hmm. shadow banned because yeah. my content was being shown to the top instead of to the bottom. But if you would have asked me six months ago, I would have said, Throw in 30 hashtags, baby, 30 opportunities to get seen. Cause that's literally what they taught us in school. So it's changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's always continuously changing. The algorithm has changed from January to June. And by December, it'll be something completely different. Yep. So, anyways, let's move on to the next question. If, unless you guys want to continue to follow up with that. So, this is definitely something let's that I, I need a lot of help with because I, burnt bridges this past year. So I, so question number two is how do you find the balance with real life, family work and being content creator? Um, I've really struggled with this this past year. I didn't go home for a lot of family gatherings. I didn't go to a lot of my partner's family gatherings because I was so busy filming content that people just thought I would, I were mad at them. I just didn't want to do it or I was playing a game like they didn't fully understand that this is a full-time job and it was just really disheartening to kind of just feel like oh it's just another event she's not here for kind of idea so I promised myself I would never do that again so I would love an answer to this question because 
I've really fucked up a lot of relationships with a lot of people being a content creator. Alex? I, um, sure. I have done similar things where I like mess on things. Um, back in 2017, I is when I started doing fitness and nutrition coaching Mm -hmm. and it was all like online based and there was a big event for the company that I worked with and at the time the only way that I had any income was through um, selling their products Mm -hmm. and I chose to go to their event instead of my grandmother's funeral and it's still a decision that to this day kind of haunts me a little bit because I would absolutely go to her funeral next time. Also, fuck that company. I hate them now. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the, at the time, like I, that was the, I had only been in it for like six months and mm-hmm. I really got caught up in that. So I think the first thing, piece of advice I would give is be gracious with yourself mm-hmm. um the decisions that we make ye- made yesterday are not the, the decisions we also need to make tomorrow and it's okay to also admit hey you know at the time that seemed like the right decision but now I wish I had done something differently and I'm going to do something differently in the future for me it was about kind of looking at my values and looking at how those kind of stack up to me my, the the close relationships in my life are more important than the money or the fame or the attention I could potentially get through um, my work as a content creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've like taken a look at the different aspects of my life. And this is not, I'm not saying this is the right way for everyone, but like I looked at the different um, kind of pillars of my life and looked at, okay, here's the rank in which they're the of importance now and that may change also later mm-hmm. at the time back then in 2017 work and career in the future was more important than family or friends or anything mm-hmm. and now it's kind of flipped for me my my close relationships are the most important to me i think my like financial stability in the immediate future is also higher important than the long run for me mm-hmm. today that will probably flip again at some point. And then um, the attention that I could get now, even though I fucking love attention, like, please, (laughs) I love followers. I love, I love it. I love it. I love being on stage, whether it's virtually or in person. I love it. But it is um, lower importance to me now. Like if I were to risk my, a close relationship in order to, um, have the fame or attention, um, I would most likely f- pick the, like the relationship over the, um, the opportunity. So hmm. the, an- the, the short of that is you've got to figure out, Hey, here are the different areas of my life and here are mm-hmm. the important, how important they are or rank their importance as of today. And it can change. Uh, I definitely agree. Sorry, uh, mom, Kate, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the, the, the values is what resonates with me because, you know, those, those change in different seasons. You know, I think back to 2020 when I started creating and, you know, it was, it was 
it was about connection and we were connecting as this creative community and it really consumed, but then that evolved into this um, brand for lack of a better word, it became the mom cave. And uh, then I be, I was asked to do this thing. Sure. I'll do it. I got excited and asked to do this thing. Sure. I'll do that. And then all of, all of the, that started to get bigger and bigger. And then my ideas started to get bigger and bigger. And then, um, you know, I was asked to be the editor of Machinima magazine. There's never been one in the 30 years of Machinima. And here mm -hmm. I was the editor. It was kind of this big thing. I was like, yeah, it was a great opportunity. I'd love to do that. That is so cool. And um, it was, and then I had, you know, I was starting to launch into voice Machinima and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it got bigger and bigger. And then I started got asked to do more things until finally it just became too much because work started getting busier. And then I had a grandchild and, um, and I was trying to hold so tightly to everything. I really couldn't hold anything anymore. Um, and then, you know, things with the magazine started to not work and, mm -hmm. um, it, it didn't work out. And so, you know, I had to let that go and my mental health kind of started to decline a little bit. And then work started to get very stressful and really hard. And then my mental health started to decline a little bit more, um, and so I think the, the experience I had last year, it was actually last year, almost in, in four days ago, or in four days, it'll be one year that my doctor, I called my doctor and my doctor yanked me out of work for two months because my mental health had gotten that bad. And I'm glad she did because I was able to just take a step back and think about what are my priorities and content creation was a priority for me, but not at the expense of my health, not at the expense of my family. And, um, and I think balance needs to look like whatever is your priority in your life. And if that means that you have to stop creating for a little while, which I've done over the last year, once I haven't stopped creating, but I've certainly you know, really, really slowed down. Um, sometimes you have to do that. You have to take that break to, to take a step back and re I had to reprioritize, re shift things around, uh, get the help I needed to get my mental health back to where it needed to be. And, and then just reprioritize. And, now here I am a year later, three years into my into my content creation, a year after this really pivotal moment in just my life. And I'm so glad that I took that time. I'm so glad I let the things go that I let go. And I'm so glad I've held on to the things. But balance can be hard, especially when when we do get that hyper focus on these things and then another things and then another thing, right. That we can lose sight of what is truly important. So taking that, those steps out of it is important. So you can kind of get a, a better view of everything. <clears throat> and the other thing I, I want to say is that, and I've just started doing this recently because I realized I was feeling pressure and, you know, I think I've talked to Alex about this too, is I was feeling pressure to create because the viewers were not, I'm not going to say viewers are pressuring. They're not pressuring me. They're, they're excited, right? They're mm -hmm. coming back and saying, Hey, when are we going to get this? When are we going to get that? And just feeling this like sense of obligation to them. Mm -hmm. um, and then realizing, but I'm tired, you know, or I want to do this. I'm focusing on this other thing right now. 
and and I don't have enough enough energy to do both or I need to focus on work right now you know started this new job in January and I need to focus on that or you know I I my my daughter needs me to babysit I need to do these real life things or I just need rest Mm -hmm. and so I've been allowing myself to do human things whereas before I realized what was different is I would say no I'm not going to do that because I have to get this episode out Mm-hmm. right i have to get this this episode out whereas now i'm thinking no you know what i really want to get this episode out i'm working on it but it's going to be at a snail's pace because i'm going to go lay out in the backyard and play with my new puppies or i'm just going to go sit and watch shit tv with my husband so that he can see my face mm-hmm. right so you can be like hey do i still have a wife or are you just going to live in the mom cave for the rest of your life because i'm just kind of curious about that i'd like to see you you know <clears throat> so just reprioritizing so that the people around you still have that that time and energy um, that they need while also holding firm to saying and this is something i love doing that i'm not going to give up but i'm mm-hmm. going to do it in a way that's more balanced but you really really sometimes have to take a break to reprioritize See, I think that's really good advice. This is something that I was talking to with Nardvelin because we also did a a mental health as content creator because we were both at that point when we were on two opposite ends of burnout, which will which is actually the next question. Uh, he was at the beginning and I was at the end. So I had already mm-hmm. gone through all this stuff and it was just another round of burnout. And what I said, I was like, I was so scared if I didn't create as many episodes that I did that you guys would stop caring. Mm-hmm. And I was so stressed and I'm tired. Like right now, I haven't had a good night's sleep in about a month. I think that would be pretty generous to say. I have a lot of things, plates that I'm juggling. I'm just mental health, but getting married uh, it comes with a lot of stress, a mm-hmm. lot of unwanted stress with everybody's opinions. Mm-hmm. Everybody has unwanted opinions. And it's just, there's that and a new job. and podcast and a new series. And I I really found myself just, well, I could focus on the bridesmaids today, or I could film a podcast episode about cheese. Which one do you think I'm going to go with? Because it's the podcast episode, because it makes me more comfortable, makes me feel more relaxed. Mm -hmm. Talking about bridesmaids. I don't know what the bridesmaids hair is going to look like. Honest to God, I don't even give a fuck at this point. As long as it's hair or no hair. I don't care. Just wear a hat. I don't care. I don't care. But like three years ago, me would have been like, okay, oh my God, oh my God, okay, I want half barrel curls at this length. And like, but I was more of a control freak back then, but now I'm just like, okay, y'all do you, you figure it out. But that comes with age and that comes with time. Like, like if there was a part of me, again, with imposter syndrome, that's today being like, I can't be doing this into my 40s. I'll be 30 this year. And this has been a really fun ride in my last couple of years in my 20s, but I can't be six, seven podcasts a week in my forties. I, ha- I have different priorities mm-hmm. at that time. So, but thank you, Alex and the mom K for answering that. Now let's talk about some burnout. As I was just saying, um, everybody experiences it at some point or another. It really just depends on the different types of burnout that you're experiencing or where, why are you feeling burnt out? So I'm really curious to hear uh, both of your thoughts on what it's like to have burnout have you ever had burnout? If so, how did, how were you able to get over it? And I'll start with Alex. You're on mute, love. Thank you. 
<laughs> you'd think we I'd be I'd be good after so many years on Zoom, never make a mistake and be perfect. Um guess not. <laughs> um okay, let's see. Wait, what was the question on burnout? Burnout. My oh my god. So I mean, this is a great timing. I'm kind of on what what may end up being in the end, like a year long hiatus for my podcast. I mm-hmm. have been doing a podcast since, I can't remember. Did I start it in 2020? I think I did. I think a little bit before the pandemic started, I started the podcast um, and rebranded it a couple times. Um, and last November at the end of November I was like okay it is time to take a break I've been putting out one episode a week for years now and I like cannot handle this anymore um and so I I took a break it was supposed to be a three-month break and I have not gotten back to it yet so (laughs) this is June almost the end of June the following year so it's been a a seven month break at this point. Um, and it may, I, I don't have a date when I'll get back to it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to get back to it. I love podcasting. I enjoy it a, a lot. Um, but I also, it's a low priority for me right now. There are other things going on in my life that are really high priority for me, um, around, um, my relationship, my career, like, establishing my life out here in San Diego I moved here a year ago so um like it, again it goes back to my priorities changed and mm-hmm. um even though it's kind of sad to me because I really enjoy podcasting and I had so much positive feedback about the podcast um I needed to take a break and I trust that I will return to it when it's the right time I have dealt with burnout for years in different areas but I did not address it this way and I have to say even though this way is the most like kind of humbling way and the way that has felt most awkward and I'm glad that I have chosen to work through the shame or the guilt for pausing for longer than anticipated I would rather have that this discomfort than the discomfort of continuing to like push through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that before and it just, it, it really degraded like my view on life. And um, I don't know, I'm just enjoying actually enjoying life now. <laughs> Honestly, Alex, I think that was so beautifully said. I couldn't like, it's, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, oh. burnout burnout can be a lot I, I get it to podcast like right now I cannot picture me not filming a podcast that mm-hmm. is just so far out of my realm I have no I've been filming podcasts two years come this October no, this September it'd be two years of this and the whole point with me to end my season was to give me like a like a six-month break and I was like yeah let's just create a new series Let's continue it. But I created a new series for one reason and one reason, two reasons to continue to talk about real topics that were missed in the Sims ones. Uh, also sponsorships, baby money, mm-hmm. getting married. Mm-hmm. This is a job. 
And because this podcast is now monetized, more listens, more money, more podcasts, right? So Mm -hmm. I, it's, but it's, you're right about shifting priorities because right now my number one priority is spending time with my fiance because we did a love language podcast and all I kept saying is I just miss him because we're not seeing each other because he doesn't like I don't want him to be here when I'm filming 10 hours of podcast in one day and what the fuck's he supposed to do downstairs and headphones crying in the corner hoping that like I stop or take a break like (laughs) there's nothing he can do right so like he started going to his parents and then I stayed here and then I stayed here more and then I got a new job and I don't have as much time off as he does so I had to be very picky of the time off I took and missing more family events and it was just it's just snowballing but um anyways long story short I cannot wait for you to come back to your podcast, but my, if I can offer one piece of advice, which is the smallest piece is is take back your posting schedule, take it back. And when you, when you're ready, release your posting schedule. Cause I have people screaming at me right now. I don't want to be on real life with Stassi. I want to be on Saucy J Unplugged season three. I want to talk about Sims. And I'm like, I don't know when Sims three is filming. It's part three is feeling. I have no idea. And they're like, how do you Mm -hmm. not know? You even figured that out. I'm like, no, I'll let you know when I know. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, and that was my promise to myself is I'm going to bring back my posting schedule. Cause like right now I'm releasing two to three podcasts a week mm. and I am tired. Yeah. I'm very tired, but great, great advice. Mom cave. How about you? Burnout. Talk to me about burnout. Well, I think, um, for me, I know that I'm burning out when I'm no longer passionate about something and when the inspiration has kind of left me I think I'm starting to notice that um with with filming machinima I'm not going to stop filming machinima um but I've noticed that with that part of my creativity is is that the I wouldn't say the passion's gone, but definitely the inspiration isn't there. It's it's a struggle. It it was kind of this season was a struggle anyways to find story, but I, I was finally getting on a roll. Um, but I think that kind of goes away a little bit. And um I haven't always been really good at at um identifying that I'm getting burned out until I'm like at critical mass, but I think this last year has taught me otherwise to say no to things before it gets to that point and really give myself grace that I don't have to do all of the things and not listen to the outside Mm -hmm. influences as much of what I should be doing or what people want me to be doing and listen more to what I need to be doing for me period end of discussion there's no other punctuation to put at the end of that sentence is I'm going to do me period and and that's going to look different on every different day. So on a day that, you know what, I have this goal, right? I have this goal that I want to work three hours every night from nine to midnight, right? That's when my creative brain's going. And if I work that much on, you know, on content, then at least I'm getting something done. Mm-hmm. And that feels good to me. That's sustainable. But if I see seven clients or six clients in a day, that's not going to happen because my I'm so 
emotionally drained, excuse me, by the end of that day, that there's no way I need to sleep. I need to rest. I need to just not be doing anything. I don't, what I don't need to be doing is filming a machinima because it's going, that takes brain. It takes a lot of brain to do. And I don't have any brain left at that point. So I've learned to give myself the grace to yes, have the goals, but then also listen to myself. So if at the end of the day, I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to take my bath. I'm going to go to bed and I'm just, I'm not going to do anything. And that's, you know, kind of been par for the course lately. I So I got COVID a while back. And since I got COVID, I've, I don't know if I got long COVID or what, but just my energy levels just aren't there. And so by the end of the day, I'm exhausted. I'm tired and I need to sleep. And so I've been listening to my body more. And as I'm doing that, I'm noticing the burnout is, is, is easier. But I think, I think the statistic is, you know, 90% of creators report burnout. Mm-hmm. I would say those are who reports burnout, <laughs> not those who experience. I, I would wager it's much higher um, than that. And most of those creators quit mm-hmm. because it can become so overwhelming. And then, so you stop, right? And Alex kind of, as, as you shared, you stopped and then you're working through kind of that shame or that guilt of stopping and, or those thoughts of what if I'm not relevant anymore? What if I lose all of the traction that I've built? And that, I mean, that's, that's a fair question, but but you have to question the question of, is that really, I mean, if you've really built that tra- traction, if you're stopping, you're going to be able to pick back up. And so I think listening to myself first, whether it's I'm feeling inspired and I want to create. And so I'm not going to listen to these outside influences to say that I should be doing these other things when I don't need to be, or that I'm I'm tired and I want to rest or I want to just do other things, not listening as much to the outside influence of hearing the shoulds from that and kind of releasing myself from those expectations. Because to be fair, you know, this, this, the the life part of this is important. And if I'm not loving what I'm doing, if I stop loving what I'm doing, then it's really not worth my time and energy. And that's not something I want to lose. In fact, I was talking to my, my therapist today about that. We were talking about burnout. We were talking about that. And one thing I told her is that quitting has, no matter how tired I was or how frustrated I was or how, and I mean, I, I've, I've been through some stuff with, with this content creation and in the community and all kind of things, but never once did I think of quitting I wouldn't say I didn't think of quitting. Never once did I seriously consider it where it I would have done it because that doesn't feel like an option for me. And so I I think that that's what I want to maintain. I want to maintain that that grit to where I'm going to be able to find enough balance between family. Again, it goes back to priorities between family, work, what I need to do, what I want to do, and what I am going to do and then just kind of finding that balance so that I can take care of myself first because if you don't take care of yourself first as a creator you're no good to your fans because you're going to burn out I think that's that's really good advice of just you have to take care of yourself first and because we're always so conscious but like okay but like 
we our fans want this or our fans want that or mm-hmm. they'll like me if they do this or oh this is such a cool idea like my fans are gonna love this and you're right if you're if you're staring at a wall and you're seeing red because you're so tired you're rushing out your content you're maybe mm-hmm. it's not the best of the best because you're just so tired because you just want to get it out and then and that's when the negativity comes out this isn't as good as the other episode or this isn't good as this like you've lost your touch and then it comes in and then you're like everything I've just rushed this out I haven't slept in a week I'm so tired why am I getting such negative feedback just because I wasn't able to make it as shiny as possible mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it's not worth it but then you just get trapped in your head and then somebody else is getting all your new fans because they're over you and then you're like I can't believe I just did this for nothing and then you're just spiraling out of like spiraling out of thoughts and then just being like okay well, I guess this is good. And then the next episode, you're back. You're like, oh, thank God. Okay. So, the- can I share something? Yeah. So, when I first started doing this, I for an entire season and a half, two seasons. Yeah. I was putting out an episode a week every yeah. every Friday. Was I would get an episode out, and then and then I started getting a lot more complicated and yeah. detailed, and um, the production became a lot harder. Yeah. But even then, I was putting out an episode a week. And I think that's what people kind of got used to. Mm -hmm. But what people don't know is there were days, nights where I was literally falling asleep, sitting at my desk, Mm -hmm. falling asleep onto my keyboard because it was, you know, 3.30 in the morning and I was trying to get this out, get this out, this. And then my body was literally falling asleep on me. Mm -hmm. That is not healthy. I did that for a year and a half, almost two years. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I can't do that anymore. You know, that's just not a healthy way to create. That's how people burn out. And that's how I was going to burn out. And so I don't do that anymore. You know, I will, I'll create until I've, I need to stop, but I'll let myself stop. And I think we have to do that. You get the whole, this whole, um, we're going to learn, we're going to lose our viewers to other creators. Well, newsflash, you're going to anyways period because people's attention spans are like this big Mm -hmm. so you're going to lose your viewers to other people and then you're going to get new ones Mm -hmm. it's it's the life cycle of the the fan base that's just how content creation works and you have to be okay with that you can't kill yourself to to hold on to your fan base for for your health you can't you just can't do that well, I definitely feel like that's really good advice and I'm definitely going to be taking that because like right now I'm just, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm running on like no sleep. I'm just, I have literally restless sleeps. I will wake up at three in the morning being like, I didn't get to do this. Oh my God. This is supposed to come out in three days. Okay. That's fine that's fine we'll figure it out because everyone asks me all the time like do you sleep and I'm like sometimes but like I I go to bed at 10 I get up at six mm-hmm. that's that's my 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 rule but they're like oh like how do you get everything out and I'm like super ahead of everything like I have like three months out for all my stuff that's why I'm able to be ahead but I know not everyone can be that way but it's definitely something that I will not be doing moving forward of not having, I am literally sitting on currently 42 podcasts that are waiting to come out between now and February that have already been filmed. Stuff that like the podcast that's coming out that came out Wednesday with uh, Townie Sims. Also go listen to that. 
love Disney Sims. But um, that was filmed in February. Wow. And it's coming out now. She had just started it. She's in like her third season, our second or third season now. So that's how nice. far I'm always out because I always, I get a lot of comments in the last one being like, because I was talking about the latest expansion pack, which when I was filmed was growing together, not horses. So everyone's like, it's horses, you ass. And I'm like, yeah, but we were, we were speculating about generations back in February and January. Right. So I'm not going to be doing that again, of sitting on three, four months, six months of content because it ages. <laughs> right. But anyways, let's move on unless either of you guys want to continue talking about burnout. So happy. We're going to talk about pride. We're going to talk about the LGBTQ plus community. I think, I think I forgot the, I am so sorry. I, I am. I try. I got a lot of flack when I when I did the round table when I hosted that I didn't do the pro- the proper full um uh, acronym. I think that's the correct way to say it. Um Alex, please educate this girl on saying it correctly. Like I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I'm sure there are people that are going to get mad at you no matter what. Yeah. Um I love to just say the queer plus community because I'm talking about the entire freaking spectrum and of all the different ways to be queer. Um, I, mm-hmm. the last like full acronym that like I had been using for a while is LGBTQIA plus. Yes. Um, but I do know that it's been updated recently with like another letter or two. So in my opinion, which people are welcome to get pissed at me for, I do not care. For the purpose of this podcast, why don't we just say the queer plus community and then it's not such a mouthful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So what unique challenges do the queer community face as being content creators? Uh, This is something we talked about before. I literally had to Google it being like, what could there be? Because something I didn't want to ham home on is Something that really bothers me about corporations is, yes, let's talk about pride in June. June, like Pride is very important. Pride is important 365, okay? Uh, so let's say Nike, we're going to put out rainbow shoes, but that's cool. They like it. But do they respect pride the rest of the year or is it all corporate-based? So I wanted to stay away from being like, oh, like this is a, uh, a pride-themed uh, podcast. Because, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but I didn't want people to be like, we spent like 30 minutes to an hour talking about everything else and now you're just tagging it in and using a rainbow cool bro so I mean that's something that bugs me and I I'm not part of the rainbow is that something that we'll get into that question is that is that something that can be bothersome to the queer community is all these corporate people coming in and being like yay pride but then come July 1st or like what's pride and for another till another year comes out if that makes sense. I also did not want to be insensitive either. I think I think what happens is there's no one person that can possibly speak for the entire queer community, right? So I'm just going to speak from my experience today. Yeah. There are absolutely going to be people in the queer community that are sensitive to things that I'm not sensitive to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are going to be people that like don't give a crap about the things that I'm like, hey, this really matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like from the standpoint of um, like corporations getting involved in my personal opinion I have seen some examples of corporations doing a better job I think the point is like hey 
I don't mind. I I'm actually really personally very thankful when I see a big company like Nike or mm-hmm. um, like Apple or whoever else like putting out pride stuff because yeah. I think it's important. Like let's it. <laughs> It's almost like, you know, like a battering ram where like, if you think about like a battering ram, like trying to like knock down, like, I think it's just because I play, I've been playing a Lord of the Rings game with my boyfriend. So I'm thinking of like them, like knocking down like castle walls. Like it's not just like one solid press, right? There has to be a rebound and then a, a press and then a rebound and a press. Okay. I think about like the way that corporations in their advertising being similar to that like the in my opinion I don't think they need to have pride stuff year-round not every Mm -hmm. company anyway um I think I love having options but it doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be like their marketing campaign but I love that like once a year they're like bam they fucking hit us with the pride stuff and if all the companies are doing it at once great it's a really big push for society to make a shift and then we pull back for a while and then bam we hit them again like every June so in that sense I think that's a positive thing what's a negative thing about it it, that a lot of people in the queer community get upset about is companies that actually don't do anything helpful for the community other Mm -hmm. than they put a rainbow on their stuff for Mm -hmm. one month and they talk about it they talk about um, pride and LGBTQI plus rights, and then they don't actually change any of their company policies internally. You know, they're treating em- employees really poorly um, who for being queer, um, or they it, it's like performative, right? Mm-hmm. And that's I think with in my opinion that's the only area that it really becomes problematic when a company is like actually doing harmful things to the community but then Mm -hmm. putting a rainbow on their product to try to get more sales (laughs) during june the only reason i i asked this is because being a social media manager i know in june when i used to work for this my previous job i had to push as much rainbow as possible uh they were a Mm us-based company which was 100 republican and they were huge trump supporters so it was just Mm. a we do this to fit in, but that's as far as it went. And I used to fight with their head office all the time being like, we're, if we're going to do representation, we need to actually do it in our offices. Why is everybody, why is everybody a straight white male? Okay. That's right. really fucking weird. Why can't we have right. proper representation in this office? And guess what? I'm no longer there. So we can just take two and two together. I became a nuisance of always wanting to improve and always wanting to oh. say, let's let's keep pushing boundaries instead of have let's instead of hiring another white male another white mm-hmm. straight male you know what i mean so that was i was just always a question i've always wanted to ask just because i fought with it being we're not going to sit here and be like yeah everybody's loved by the way we don't hire anybody unless they're straight right right, right? so i just i, I always yeah. just felt like well, why don't just not do it then why lie yeah. Why lie? Because right. I think that's I think that's even worse. To me, that's the worst. If you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna make people buy your pride products, but you actually don't do anything to better society besides take their money. So that's right. always the part that irked me as a social media manager, being like, let's just not do it. But anyways, let's talk about the queer community as content creators. Like, what's going on out there? 
any advice? Well, um, I think one of the things that's kind of, uh, there are a few different things that I have in mind to, to, to share. Yeah. One of them being like, as far as history, um, content creators have done a really great job of making, um, uh, accurate history reports for the LGBTQIA plus community mm-hmm. and black history, both mm-hmm. more visible. Yes. Um, and I'm so thankful that for those content creators that have been like, Hey, I'm going to take this on. And I want to, re- um, either do reporting on current events or sharing, um, accurate, like historical reports mm-hmm. and, I think that's also could be probably a big burden to take on when like our education system is not putting the same amount of um, in focus or uh, value behind black history and queer history. Yes. Um, so thank you to all the, the content creators who do this. I, it's amazing. Um, I think another important thing to mention while we're on that kind of ties in with that mental health health aspect of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some imp- like interesting statistics when it comes to um, mental health and the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, according to the HRC, which is the human rights campaign, who um, is all about queer mm-hmm. um, rights and um, activism, four in 10 LGBT youth, that's 42% say um, that they live um, with non-accepting queer people, or mm-hmm. sorry, people that don't accept them as queer people. Yes. Um, and when we were talking about like belonging before and like imagine, <laughs> you know, if if you feel like you don't belong online yeah. and how painful that is, now like magnify that to your home life and so the the pressure to conform and the fear about not fitting in can be really really intense for queer people and I think for content creators sometimes um content creation can actually be a wonderful escape from that and a way Mm -hmm. to find a community um and also as like an ally recognizing like hey are there things that you could do that might help one of your fellow queer um, content creators feel like they fit in or belong? Like having one on a podcast, right? Like yes. this is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another statistic from um, the Trevor Project, 41% mm-hmm. of LGBTQ young people seriously consider attempting suicide. Um, uh, and that's just in the past year. And that statistic was updated in 2023, I believe. Um, so that's that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a lot of people. And when we're looking at that statistic compared to um, straight people, the numbers are significantly higher for um, queer youth. Um, last suicide statistic that's really interesting to me is that... Um, Let's see, where was it? I might need to like take, oh, here we go. In 2021, um, men died by suicide 
0.9 times more than women. So it's almost four men per one female suicide. And this is also interesting. Just under 70%, it's 69.68% of suicide deaths in 2021 were white men. Mm-hmm. So I think there's an interesting phenomenon here and an interesting yeah. parallel. Um, and these statistics were according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, there, There's an interesting parallel to me that like both like white men, the um, top of societal like privilege mm-hmm. and, and queer youth um, amongst the, the lower and bottom parts of societal privilege both have extra high rates for suicide and so which signals to me extra hard time with mental health mm-hmm. maybe getting mental health resources and also using those mental health resources and also their mental health in general. Um, when I find parallels like that, I love to say like, okay, how can we fucking work together on this? Yeah. How can we do yes. better together? I I think that's that's it's crazy. Like you just literally blew my mind. I I say all the time like that's the crazy like oh that's the craziest thing I've heard. That's the saddest thing I think I've heard mm-hmm. on this podcast. That's it's really really sad and. I think it like for like the white male privilege, I think it's just they're and we'll talk about men's health in a little bit, is you can't show emotion. You can't be like, mm-hmm. I'm having a bad day. Your guy friends would be like, Oh, you're a beep. And you can add that beep in to whatever you want to, mm-hmm. to use your imagination. Um, I think it's sexy to see a grown man cry and actually feel emotion, but yeah. uh, a lot of like so i'm in a i'm in a like so i work in an ad, like an admin office i i think it's fascinating all of us are women because there's no men that are admin and all the techs are men mm-hmm. and all i hear i'm like oh that's a little sexist but I, when I think about it i'm like why is there no men that are admin i think that's weird and i don't like that for 2023 but all the men like I'll literally my boss and the sales guy, uh, they'll be like, oh, like just Jen, send them, like send them out. Like it's, an, I'm like, he's already worked a 12 to 13 hour day. No, it's like, well, he needs it. Like he'll toughen up, just get a coffee. I'm like, he, we're not horses. We're not like, we're not okay. Like a coffee, a carrot's not going to solve a, a situation here. And they're like, oh, they're, they'll grow men, just throw some dirt in it. It's not, I'm like, your your whole team is experiencing burnout and exhaustion. Fucking throwing dirt and coffee at it is not going to fix it. We need to come up with a better solution, such as not being understaffed and underpaid and underworks. I think that that's just the point. Like you get to this point where you gotta, you're constantly always working. You can never show your true emotion, and then to the point where you're just like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. What, what is life? What's a life worth living if I can't cry or what I can't, my family won't accept me or any, anything on the lines of, oh, like I have mental health issues. I talk about being dyslexic at work. I thought it would be, this is the first time I walked in straight from the gate and told them that I was dyslexic. Never done that before. I've kept it a secret. They make fun of it to my face. Mm. I was like, I don't like that. 
I was having a really honest moment with you and explaining my struggles. So what does this say as to a, if, if my, if I watched my boss right now and I was like, I have depression, mm-hmm. I think they'd laugh in my face and be like, it's not real. Mm. And it's in 2023. Mm-hmm. Kind of sad. Yeah. But yeah, it's really sad. And so thinking of that from the male perspective, I think, you know, um, that when we talk about men's health and June being is men's health month. And so we talk about things like, you know, prostate health and, yeah. and heart health and, and sexual health and all that. And one of the, the things we're starting to talk about is men's mental health. Mm-hmm. And so, especially when we look at that, that dichotomy that we see between the white straight male and the the declared teen are the highest statistically to attempting complete suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me wonder. It makes me wonder. And this is just kind of what came up in my mind is, you know, there's stigma in both, mm-hmm. right? Stigma is different, but there's stigma in both. So there's there's that in, inability. I'm not a man and I'm not a queer teen, but I just wonder, I wonder if, if it, if it's partially part of the experience that they're having of saying, I can't be, feel safe. I don't feel safe with what I'm really experiencing in my life. I don't feel safe with who I am as a person because of the stigma that is being put on me. I don't feel safe of what I'm experiencing my mental health because I've been giving these messages from the time I was a, a child that says, boys don't cry. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that says, you know, man up, man up. Um, that, that there's this tough guy persona that is the quintessential man that if you're not masculine, that there's one way to be masculine, right? that that masculine can't also be that that balance of emotion and expression mm-hmm. and these are the messages that are being taught in our society so then you have these pressures and you know and we also have veterans and and there's that whole statistic as well but but still just kind of thinking of that as as not as that psychological safety mm-hmm. which is foundational foundational to us just being human as psychological safety and when that is compromised in whichever way you're going to have these two mm-hmm. um, ends of society that are going that have these these very tragic results and these very tragic statistics and so being able to talk about that um, supporting the uh, organizations like the Trevor Project, who specifically mm-hmm. are there for our, our queer plus. Thank you for giving that to me, Alex. I queer plus. I love that the queer plus youth because, um, I, I you know not not many teens have that, especially queer teens, and and you know supporting other organizations. Um, like the suicide, suicide prevention line and, and the helpline mm-hmm. 988 here in the States is important because that is something that we can do. And I, one of the questions I think that I 
I uh, wondered about is, you know, how do we be an ally? How do we be an ally to to our queer plus community? How do we be an ally to um, to even even the 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 white straight male? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we be an ally in a way that that we are uh, destigmatizing access? And how are we destigmatizing that? So if there is access, so access is a whole other animal we don't address here, but even if there is access, how do we help as a society to make that as that access less shame based? And we've talked about this on the last podcast, and I have to say this. I think one of the things that we have to stop doing is we have to stop using mental health terms as slurs. We have to stop calling people who are uh, maybe having having an emotional moment, you're, they're bipolar. Mm-hmm. I don't see PhD after your name. Sit down. Mm-hmm. Right? Um I, we we have to stop calling people crazy. We have to we have to stop saying that because that feeds into the stigma, and and we also have a responsibility to to help you know our help by talking about it to help our communities by talking about it by saying you know it is one hundred percent okay to not be okay if you are a six foot four, I don't know, I'm really short. So everybody's told me, but you, you can be six foot four, 200, 200 pounds, 300 pounds. I don't know how tall, how much a six foot four person, big person, um, male drive the truck, be the, be the, you could be the whole, the whole stereotype. And on the inside, feel really broken and grieving and sad and anxious and have panic attacks. And may- maybe there's AD- undiagnosed or diagnosed untreated ADHD there, or or maybe maybe there's trauma from your childhood or something you've experienced. You're human, and one of the things that I I really love to remind people of when they say, "Well, I don't want to experience this." weakness is that you are strong because of who you are and you have these human experiences because you're human you grieve because you're human you can have adhd because you're human you can have undiagnosed mental health um, challenges because you're human it doesn't make you less strong and i think if we can say that to more people and really help them believe that and start breaking down the stigma i mean that's why i'm sitting here as well I don't know. I think that just kind of for me is the best way to be an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you're the best ally. Sorry, Alex, go ahead. Thank you. I was going to say, preach mom cave. That yes. was amazing. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I think if my tip is a lot of this comes down to belonging and shame. Mm-hmm. And when we let people know that they belong and when we have the courage to be um, bravely authentic, mm-hmm. we not only help create belonging for ourselves but also for other people. So my advice slash challenge to our listeners today is 
if you want to help others in in the queer community, if you want to help other humans um, with their mental health, challenge yourself each day to find some common ground with someone who has different experiences than you mm-hmm. or looks different you than you and is is just someone you wouldn't expect yourself to connect with. You don't have to be their best friend or anything, but just see if there's a, a, a way that you can find some moment of commonality with someone you think you might not have anything in common with. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I love that. That is such fantastic advice, especially Challenge right now. Accepted. Yes. Well, cause I know, right I'm now- like, I'm going to do this now. <laughs> Well, just because like I, think I, I do it a lot, but I, I want to do it more intentionally. <laughs> I just feel like right now, everybody, it's it's you're right or you're left or you're you're right and you're wrong. And it's just it's so negative. Like somebody called me out on my cis privilege because I have periods. Because I, I was complaining because I have ovarian cysts and I was on like Instagram, just like I was like, if I could give up my period right now, you I, I would like I just give me a hysterectomy. I'm over this. And somebody's like, you don't like, well, I've always wanted to have a kid and you have cis privilege and I can't have a kid. So like, be thankful you can. And it took a minute out of me being like, I don't even know if I can have a kid, but okay, we'll, we'll go from that. But it's just, it's constantly being like, like I'm as pretty socialist as you get pretty left socialist atheist so anybody who's on the other side you have a hard time just listening to them being like science can prove you wrong in about five seconds but okay we'll go with the earth is flat we'll we'll go with that but it's finding the common grounds of saying why do you believe that the earth is flat why do you believe that is it is it a conspiracy theory because it makes more sense or do you do it because some somebody who you respect, you told you that, and then you believe them? Like I grew up in a very Republican home. I had really Republican values until I was 19. And then that was my dark period in life. And then real life slapped me in the face at 20 and um, saw what real world looked like. Mm-hmm. Definitely wasn't conservative values. I'll say that. So, but it's interesting now that I try, well, at least I can, but I'm, I'm the worst at just dismissing somebody really quickly. Mm-hmm. We're just saying like, oh, well, we don't share the same values. We're going to argue what's, what's even the point to, what's even the point to try? And I think COVID had a really big impact of that versus, you know, the, the COVID versus not thinking COVID was real. Stassi, you and I have talked before about that. We've we've talked before about the the value of curiosity. Yeah. That's one thing as coaches, we just, I mean, it's, we live and breathe curiosity. It's just kind of at the core of what we do as coaches, but it's, it's, it's important for everybody. There's such value in curiosity because if we can, if we can lean into the space of people that are vastly different, even conflicting in our mm-hmm. values, you know, people can conflict your values and it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay, uh, provided they're respectful, mm-hmm. or there is respect, I should say. But but we can we can go and and I love that Alex because we can go into these challenges with curiosity. So if I come up against someone, and I mean I have people in my family, and we just I'm I'm just kind of a unicorn in my family, and that's I'm fine being they love me for it, you know, it's just me, but. 
you know, if we can go into these conversations and into these spaces with that curiosity to find even, even, even if you can't find common ground, even if being, everybody has common ground, every a hundred percent, you can put a 50,000 humans in, in a room and there's common ground and the common ground is that they're human. And so if we can go into majority of these spaces with others with curiosity. And so when somebody says something that is, uh, or is um, believing something that is against or even different to our core values and beliefs, it's okay to feel uncomfortable if you feel uncomfortable, but if you can lean into that with curiosity and even ask, tell me why you think that. Mm -hmm. then you can connect on a human level it takes two people to connect on a human level but you can still walk away from the from a conversation with someone without labeling without without you know putting someone in a in a category that maybe they're not in or that we're placing things that feel safer you can walk away from the conversation with that curiosity to say, well, I mean, I didn't really get that answer, that question answered of why they believe that, but that's their belief. And I can, I can still hold firm in mind because if, if really truly you're, we're confident in who we are, it's not going to matter what other people believe. I said, what I said is not going to matter because, um, we can still behave and live and advocate and do the things that are important to us for us we can still do that with other people who maybe believe differently so the curiosity is the key to to really finding that common ground and i love that challenge alex accepted 100 percent accepted <laughs> well i think this is a really good spot to cap off this interview i want to thank the mom cave and Alex for coming here today um i've learned a lot i hope everyone listening to this takes takes us and learns and just grows and becomes a better piece I was gonna say peace in person and to be kind to one another because that's the, that's the secret is to be kind to yourself and to be kind to everyone around you um I do want to do a, a, where we can find your work the mom cave where can we find your work um best place would be link tree uh tmc creative but you can find me on youtube is the mom cave you can find me all over Instagram. Best place to start would be TMC Creative. I am private, but if you uh, go ahead and request, I'll almost always say, hey, come on over. Um, and you can find me on TikTok as uh, TMC Creative. It's just a bunch of trash there right now, but feel free to come on over. Uh, but those are the main places. You can also find me on Twitter, uh, which is at the Mom Cave one. I love it. Well, please go check out the Mom Cave. Alex, where can we find your amazing work? Um, I am Coach Alex Ray on Instagram and TikTok and CoachAlexRay.com if you want the podcast or any other links. So it's called the Queer Confidence Podcast. I love it. The links are going to be below. Please go check out Alex's podcast. And then when you are ready to come back, we will be here to champion you. But come back Yay. when you are ready, when you are ready, not when we are ready, because we're always ready whenever you oh, feel thank you you are welcome but alex it was such a pleasure to get to know you today and get to learn more of your story and mom cave always thank you for so much for coming back here today you're welcome
Thank you, Stassi. It's been a pleasure. It has been an absolute pleasure. And I want to wish both you guys a great rest of your night. Please go check out these uh, these two amazing creators. Um, if you like what I do, please consider uh, subscribing to Patreon. I really do appreciate it. Uh, it encourages me to being able to keep doing what I'm able to do, which is bring content to you and having real life conversations that maybe some people are too scared to have. And let's end stigma together of mental health and any other issues that have lots of stigma behind them. And the only way we're going to do it is together. So please, 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 please go check out the mom cave and uh, coach Alex Ray and please go check out uh, the rest of the series of Real Life Lestasi. I do post episodes periodically throughout the month. So please go check those out and have a great rest of your night, you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.